This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. And today we're joined by Jeff Halley, who is senior market analyst for Asia Pacific. Good morning. How are you doing? Yeah, good afternoon from Asia. Wonderful to be here as ever. Now, the most striking thing I'm looking at when I look at the charts at the moment, uh, Jeff, are Chinese stocks, particularly in Hong Kong, which have really fallen today. And you just told me off air that's mainly down to a surge in COVID cases. Yeah, there's a couple of things at work here. When we look at the Chinese mainland uh, markets as well, we can see the CSI 300s off 3%, Shanghai Composites off 2.5%. Hong Kong's off about 4.5% as we speak as well. Now, uh, what we've seen over the weekend was that Chinese authorities have put uh, Shenzhen, which is the 17.5 million person city adjacent to Hong Kong on the actual mainland side of the border, into a COVID-19 lockdown for at least a week. It's also a major port, although it hasn't closed the port as yet, but there are fears they're going to. So combined... I guess what we're seeing is um, some fears running around the markets, particularly from Chinese investors, that we're going to see a more lockdowns spread across China as the Omicron uh, continues to pick up pace there, or B, it will impact a already weak recovery by China where they've downgraded growth uh, targets for this year to 5.5% anyway. That's caused yet another sell-off in uh, Chinese stocks. Hong Kong's particularly hard hit because a lot of the big tech giants are listed there, and I believe Tencent's headquarters are actually in Shenzhen. But we've seen a procession of uh, large manufacturers uh, in Shenzhen, like Foxconn, who are the Taiwanese company that make all of Apple's stuff, and Toyota, all announcing production halts. And unsurprisingly, we're seeing... Um, uh, Hong Kong and uh, obviously Hong Kong list uh, Hong Kong stocks and China mainland stocks get sold heavily today. And it's interesting because in this country, in the UK, one could be forgiven for thinking that COVID was over because we are leading more or less normal lives here. No masks uh, in the vast majority of places and things back to normal, even people going back to the workplace. But in China, COVID cases surging, stocks dropping. We've very much had our eyes on what's going on in Ukraine. And uh, it, that, that may have a factor, actually, in terms of why the oil price has fallen today. I'm wondering whether it's because of this uh, engagement between Russia and Ukraine and uh, so-called peace talks, which may have given the, a glimmer of hope. Is that why oil prices are falling? Yeah, I, I, I believe the, it, that's the main reason. Now, I, all I could see was Reuters reporting that over the weekend that uh, both sides appear to be much more serious about coming to some sort of resolution in the, in the negotiations. Now, we've been led to water on this front before, and we've been disappointed. So we have to be a little bit careful about getting too excited about that. Or additionally, another bearish case for oil you could construct is that if parts of Hong, uh, of China are going to get locked down for COVID-19 because they are still running this COVID-0 policy, that may lessen uh, China's uh, uh, energy energy requirements, at least temporarily a, a, as well. But it's been clear from the price action that we've seen in markets over the last few weeks since this conflict started in Eastern Europe, 
that they're desperate to try and price in what I call peak Ukraine, i.e. we've seen the worst of the fallout from uh, this conflict, and that's a reason to jump back into the markets, buying equities, selling oil, um, selling commodities, and selling the US dollar sort of thing. But as I said before, we've been led to water on this before, so I think uh, we should be approaching this uh, move down in oil uh, with quite a bit of caution. Indeed, and at the same time, Iran nuclear talks have stumbled with the United States rebuffing some Russian demands. And there's also a retreat from the US about those talks with Venezuela. So it's all going on at the moment, talks on three different fronts. Yeah, and look, they've been over in the uh, Middle East as well, trying to talk to the Saudis and the United Arab Emirates, who are probably the members in OPEC with the largest spare capacity apart from uh, Iran. Um but they've been semi-rebuffed there as well. I think uh, obviously those two countries are a little upset with, uh, um, with the US on, on a number of fronts. But I think at the end of the day, they know which side their bread's buttered. And uh, when Iraq and Iran aggression has occurred in the past, it's been the US that's um, sailed in to save the day, so to speak. So I think it's really what price they extract out of the US in return for pushing OPEC and to push... Um, uh, pushing production higher. We have to remember also they, that the plus in OPEC plus is Russia, and they may not be very inclined to want to have uh, OPEC pump more oil obvious, for obvious reasons on, on one side that uh, that may lessen the need for Russian oil, uh, but also they're making a lot of money at the moment. I saw one piece of research uh, I was reading last week where on a single day in March, Europe paid Russia 650 million euros for energy, one day. So, you know, there's always causes, there's give and takes and all, and two sides and everything. But I suspect there's a lot of horse trading going on internationally behind the scenes at the moment. Of course, Boris Johnson is off to Saudi Arabia this week for talks. Obviously, the, the hope is the taps might be turned on by the Saudis, but uh, we, we shall see. Probably unlikely. It's a big week for interest rates, isn't it, on both sides of the Atlantic? Yeah, look, we've got the Bank of England on Thursday, but ahead of uh, the Bank of England, we have the two-day policy meeting from the Federal Reserve. And uh, we, we noticed the, there's a few central banks that will announce their rate decisions after the Federal Reserve for obvious reasons. And one of them is the UK. And then we also have Japan on Friday and we have Indonesia and uh, a few other countries uh, coming up next week as well. Uh, I, I believe that both the Bank of England and the Federal Reserve will hike rates this week. I think uh, what will be uh, interesting will be the detail, i.e. how hawkish is the outlook. Now, I think there's definitely upside risks to the United States here that they uh, want to accelerate the pace of rate hikes uh, because inflation is obviously moving much, much higher, much, much more quickly because of uh, the disruption from uh, the Eastern Europe situation. The UK probably isn't quite so keen to do that, but their hand may be forced as well because, as I'm sure you've noticed, your cost of living is exploding higher um, even as we speak, and you know that's the case around a lot of the world. I think a lot of the divergence in markets this year, particularly in currency markets, will come from whether governments uh, or central banks in various countries are prepared to tolerate these stagflationary slash inflationary pressures to keep the economy going or whether they're going to tighten to nip that in the bud and thus perhaps pull back on their growth projections. And I think in Asia, we're going to see 
um, central banks here not looking to hike rates. Growth is more important or keeping the economy going. Whereas in the more Commonwealth or Anglo-Saxon countries, we're going to see the opposite. And that's one reason I think that Asian currencies will be weak in 2022. And finally, Jeff, uh, we had a tweet from Mr. Elon Musk who says he's not going to sell his Bitcoin. He's not selling. No, no surprises there. I guess when you're pretty much the world's richest man, you've got deep pockets and margin calls aren't really an issue, are they? So, look, that was enough to push up uh, Bitcoin today. So cryptos today had been suffering a little bit because there is a vote going on about the environmental effects of Bitcoin and other cryptos uh, in uh, Europe, I believe today, a vote goes through the European Parliament. And the net result from a lot of the crypto communities, they say it's more like a a stealth banning of of cryptos. And so they had been under pressure uh, across the weekend. But Mr. Musk has written to the rescue, as he so often does, and his words are the, are, are, are the gospel in uh, the digital space. And uh, that's managed to turn that bearish sentiment around. And we can see Bitcoin uh, 2.5% higher in Asian trading today. Nevertheless, it is sort of sitting roughly mid-range of its um, sort of like its 2022 range at the moment. And it, and it really could go either way from here. But I would say that I've been very disappointed with Bitcoin's safe haven uh, status through this whole Ukraine situation that hasn't really inspired me at all. So I suspect that um, the risks are still perhaps tilted to the downside for the digital space or the crypto space at the moment. Jeff Halley, thank you very much for joining us today. A pleasure. Thank you. This is the Oanda Podcast.